Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Canfield. Today is Thursday, September 7th, 2023. And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schoolers. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Young Perspective. I want to let you in for a minute into my experience this summer. I went to a program in Austin, this is the capital of Texas, called Texas Boys State, uh, where a thousand boys came together to f- simulate the government, to form a mock government. Boys from you know across the state, there's also a different program for girls, ran for political positions. And I had the pleasure to run for the position of attorney general of the great state of Texas, and, and I won that election. And in that process, I learned a lot about what's been going on with the attorney general, the actual attorney general in the state of Texas, uh, named Ken Paxton, uh, who the same month, you know, that I was running in this mock government, Ken Paxton was being impeached in the Texas state house. So today we're going to be discussing why was he impeached with the, in the house? What is going on in the current Ken Paxton impeachment trial in the Senate? So the impeachment trial in the Senate began on Tuesday, two days ago. And Paxton had previously been impeached in the House, Texas House, with a vote of 121 to 23 to impeach him. And this was in May, as Josh said. And so since then, there have been a few months, and now we are seeing his Texas Senate trial. Uh, For the past few months, he has not been in office. He's been removed temporarily. And if he then loses his Senate trial, he will be removed permanently and might be banned from running for election in any public office in the future. And the trial stems from 20 articles of impeachment, including abuse of public trust and unfitness for office and bribery. So why is Paxton being impeached? We're, you know, we're going to dive into to it in greater detail a little bit later. We're going to dive into the specific impeachment articles. But it comes down to a couple of things. Paxton not doing his job. So he has, he has a role he's supposed to do and arguments that he's not doing that. Paxton being corrupt. So, you know, doing things that are against federal and state law that violate the Texas state constitution. Those are the, the two big categories. How did this all begin? It begins in 2020 when multiple of Paxton's aides, you know, some of the, some of the people that help Paxton, the deputy, the deputy attorney general, you know, for, for certain issues, they, they speak out and speak to the FBI about potential corruption that Paxton had done. So they say Paxton has done these things wrong and they speak out against him. They're known as what's called whistleblowers. And these whistleblowers are protected under Texas state law and in, in Texas whistleblower statutes, which say if you speak out and you claim somebody else, you know, has, has done something wrong, you're going to be protected because you're doing it to benefit the state and to benefit justice and to benefit the constitution. So and you won't be fired. And you won't be fired. Two months later, Ken Paxton fires all these people that spoke out against him that spoke out, you know, for the law, to protect the law, to protect what's sacred. And doing this, Paxton violated what's called the, the whistleblower statute, protecting those whistleblowers. Though four out of the eight whistleblowers come back a year later and file a lawsuit against him. And since then, that was really the start of the problems. Why are they following, filing a lawsuit? Because he violated the whistleblower statute and fired them. Why were they whistleblowers at all? That is the crux of it. Why were they whistleblowers at all? And it stems from the corruption that Paxton was, was engaging in. And this surrounds a person named Nate Paul. 
Um, now I'm going to pass it over to Ethan to explain who is Nate Paul and why is he relevant in the situation. Nate Paul is one of uh, Texas's largest real estate investors. He lives in Austin, and his real estate investment company in Austin owns large amounts of Austin property. Now, for the past 15 years or so, he has made lots of deals, made lots of money, but has also faced some legal and financial troubles recently. Uh, he's been accused of fraud multiple times in the past few years and has also uh, sought uh, bankruptcy, bankruptcy protection for some of his properties. So there are certain problems that he's been facing, and who did he turn to? Ken Paxton, the Attorney General of Texas. So back in 2018, during Paxton's uh, re-election campaign, Paul donated $25,000 to the campaign. Now, a lot of people donate money. That's a lot of money. And it, that money, when connected to the relationship that Paul and Paxton had, is evidence of something beyond just someone supporting a political candidate. So the, Paxton's aides saw this money and were alarmed because they saw that there was some sort of uh, weird relationship that was happening between the real estate investor and the attorney general. And it stemmed from a few different situations that uh, some of his aides reported, one of which was a lawsuit that Paul wanted to settle with some of his adversaries. So he came to Paxton and he asked him as the attorney general to use some of his powers to help make the lawsuit go away and to help him find a lawyer to help with this legal trouble. That's not something that should be happening as an attorney general. He shouldn't be helping out someone who's just uh, in this one situation that wasn't his uh, his place. And so some of his aides were weary of this and, and saw that there was something going on with, between Paxton and Paul. Not only did Nate Paul approach Paxton asking for help, Paxton actively asked his staff members to hire a lawyer that could help Nate Paul file, you know, fi help deal with this lawsuit. So Paxton is using the funds of the state of Texas, resources of the state of Texas to help somebody else, to help an individual that, you know, it, it, there, there's some kind of reciprocated relationship there. But he's using, you know, that's way out of the scope of his office. Another situation, which was reported by Ryan Banger, a former aide of, of the attorney general, said uh, that Paxton had pressured him and, and other of, uh, of, his, uh, of his legal team to create a last-minute legal opinion that would limit foreclosures for businesses citing COVID-19 restrictions. Now, this was coming at the same time that Nate Paul was facing a business foreclosure for one of his businesses. And so it was very clear that this was motivated to help Paul. And, and Ryan Banger even said he was acting like a man with a gun to his head, referring to Paxton. This was not a situation in which he was just making, he wanted them to, uh, to create this legal opinion because it was the correct legal opinion to make. Ryan Banger believed it was solely to help Paul's business. You have these claims that Ken Paxton is helping this guy, Nate Paul, but it's not corruption until Ken Paxton receives something in return, right? Why is he helping him? Well, there's a couple reasons. Uh, there's a couple things that the, the prosecutors in this case, um, in the Senate right now, are claiming. One of the big ones is that Ken Paxton had, was having an extramarital affair uh, with a woman, and the woman needed a job. So he moved the woman to Austin and asked Nate Paul to hire her. So Nate Paul hires this woman. Uh, and in exchange, which is, which not, is helping out you know, Ken Paxton because his affair is in, is, is in town. And then in exchange, he, Ken Paxton helps him with whatever he does. But one of the other things Ken Paxton supposedly got in exchange related to a renovation Ken Paxton had done to his house. His house was renovated and supposedly Nate Paul paid for the whole renovation upwards of 300000 or more dollars. And that is significant. It's harder to claim the extramarital affair, you know, 
Nate Paul and his team can claim that she was hired out of you know her own qualities and she was good for the job, so she was hired for that reason. But the money and the money trail is something you can track. And if they can track the money went from Nate Paul's account to the renovation of Ken Paxson's home, I think that is going to be the killing point. There's also the money of the $25,000 that was used to support Paxson's campaign. But uh, in, in the past few days, Paxton's attorneys have argued you know, that was just money that was given to a campaign. You can't prove anything with that. It was just a, one person supporting a political candidate, which is fair, but it could be used uh, of some sort of evidence uh, initially that there was, it was one of the reasons why they started the investigation to show why was there something going on here and what was going on here. So there were 20 different articles of impeachment against Paxton, 20 that were passed in the House and now have moved to the, to the Senate wait, awaiting conviction on these articles. We're going to, I just, we chose a couple of them to highlight because some of them are not that important. The ones I want to highlight are disregard of the official duty, which is article five. Ken Paxton put state resources to helping uh, Nate Paul with his legal affairs uh, when he hired lawyer Brandon K- Kamek to, to help Nate Paul. You know, that's not his official duties. Why is he doing that? That's one of the, that's one of the opinion articles. Um, and, and two other relevant ones are related to constitutional bribery. Bribery is illegal both on the state level and the federal level. So it's a federal crime and a state crime. It's a felony on the federal level, I believe. And the claims from the prosecution is that Ken Paxson bribed Nate Paul to hire his mistress um, in exchange for those legal services, as well as Ken Paul Ken Paxson um, provided those legal services in exchange for home renovation. So those are the two articles of, of bribery. In addition, there are articles relating to whistleblowing. So we mentioned that some of his aides reported what was going on to the FBI, which led to an investigation, and that Paxson uh, fired them. And this was against some of the articles of the Texas Constitution, including Article 6, which talks about termination of whistleblowers. Paxton is accused of firing these whistleblowers without any good cause or due process really no reason other than the fact that they whistle blew, which is illegal. And so he's, uh, he's accused of this, but he's also accused of going and trying to, uh, tarnish the reputations of these workers, uh, and prevent them from receiving work in the future, which also against article six of, of the Texas constitution. There's also article seven, which talks about whistleblower investigation, which is also article seven, which also relates to whistleblowing. This is more relating to the idea that he's using public resources to direct employees to create this sort of uh, sham investigation against the, the people who, who whistleblew against him. So not only did he fire these employees, but he then created reports and an investigation to, um, to ruin the reputation even further and create a public report that had false and, and misleading information about the, the whistleblowers and it came in Paxton's defense. So a lot of lies and deception went into place to not only fire these workers, but then ruin their reputations and paint them and uh, paint them in the wrong and paint himself, Paxton, in the right. So many of these whistleblowers that Ethan's referring to are going to be testifying in this trial this week. Some have already testified today, which is Thursday, September 7th. One of them test- testified and was crying on the stand because from the time that he had done the whistleblowing to the time he was fired by Paxton. He said, you know, the Paxton had attacked him verbally, had made them feel like their work with the, the attorney general's office was not worthwhile. These are people that are deeply committed to conservative values and have spent years helping the state of Texas in public service. So they felt 
very much betrayed by Paxson and, and, and by his followers. And one of them cried on the bench today, which was, was, which was an interesting show of emotion. But relating to witnesses, you know, why, why are there witnesses in a Senate hearing? Many might not understand, but you have to understand that this is a trial. Though it's not governed under the same rules as a court trial, as a trial, you know, in the, in the justice system, justice department, and under that purview would be, it has rules that are governed by the, the, the leader of the trial, the like, per se, judge per se, is this trial is presided by Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who's running the trial. And there could be witnesses called. There can be evidence brought up against. The, the rules for evidence are a little bit different than in the courtroom. There's a larger uh, you know, purview of what, what evidence can be brought in, less strict guidelines. But essentially, witnesses can be called. There's two tables, one for the prosecution, one for the defense, very much like a trial. Just the senators are the jury. And so... We see that there are 31 Texas senators, uh, one of which is Angela Paxton, who is Ken Paxton's wife. She is actually not allowed to take part in the trial, uh, in the trial proceedings. So she, she's sitting there watching it, but she's not allowed to vote. So of the 30 senators who can vote to receive a conviction against Ken Paxton, there must be a thir- two-thirds majority vote to convict Paxton. And so that means that uh, there are 12 Democrat senators. They will most likely vote to convict so there will have to be at least nine Republicans who vote to convict as well, in addition to the Democrats, in order to meet the two-thirds threshold of 21 senators. Now, on Tuesday, when the trial began, Ken Paxton and his Ken Paxton's attorneys brought up a lot of different motions to dismiss certain parts of the case, about a certain uh, certain articles of impeachment, uh, and they were all shut down. Uh, and he bar- he barely received. Uh, any votes from from any of the senators to approve this dismissal of some of the uh, some of the impeachment clauses, and so this shows that he's going to have to do a lot more in the next uh, few weeks uh, during his trial to to get enough support from the Republicans in order to not be convicted. But what's interesting here is there's really a divide among the, the Republican Party in the House that the trial was in was in May and, and May and June. You had 121 out of 149 House members voted to impeach. That included 60 Republicans. More Republicans, way more Republicans voted to impeach than didn't vote to impeach. It was a vast majority of people, of of, of House members in the House voted to impeach. And those who didn't vote to impeach, they are said to represent a new age of Republican. In recent years, we've been seeing a divide in the Republican Party between Trump-era Republicans, which are very much supportive of Paxton, and Trump has has supported Paxton for years and has continually made comments about how this is a witch hunt against Paxton and you know the, the typical Trump comments. Um, you have that Trump-type conservative, and then you have the old-type conservative. Uh, and a great example of this old-type conservative is Rick Perry, who is the former governor of Texas. Uh, and Rick Perry actually made a statement against Paxton and representing the old type, and I'm going to read the statement here. He said, Republicans once believed in the rule of law. That's why it's shocking to see some Republicans, through a coordinated effort of texts, emails, and social media posts, working to delegitimize the impeachment proceedings against Attorney General Ken Paxton. So you have one side that's trying to, of Republicans that are trying to impeach Ken Paxton because they believe in the rule of law, they don't believe in corruption, they don't want corruption. And you have the other side that is trying to delegitimize the, the, you know, the so-called old Republicans. And it's this side that's trying to delegitimize Paxton's impeachment and you know, the many House Republicans that voted against, that voted to impeach. They are the Trump-era Republicans. We're seeing this beyond this situation with Ken Paxton. This is a larger trend in the United States where you have 
these new Republicans, these MAGA Republicans who have now come out of their come out come out into the open when Trump became president and have made a name for themselves and have somewhat taken over the party. And then you have the old Republicans, the Rick Perry's, the Mitt Romney's, the Chris Christie's, the Republicans who don't like Trump, who speak out against him, who believe in the Constitution and believe that when you do something wrong, you should be held accountable and don't want to act like Trump. And they're trying to hold on to the Republican Party, hold on to the power. And, and Trump is pulling it away from them and pulling more and more and more Republicans to his side. We're just going to have to wait and see. A lot of senators in the Senate are worried because multiple Republican PACs in Texas, political action committees, have said that if they vote to convict Paxton, that the PACs will put up primary challengers um, in, the, in the next Republican primary. So the senators are worried um, they might lose their positions if they vote to convict. Are we gonna, we're going to see, is the rule of law upheld? Is the rule of law valued? And that is a greater question that we're discussing in the whole country right now. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of The Young Perspective. We want to thank you all so much for listening and for following us. If you want to see more of our episodes, you can check out our website, theyoungperspective.net, or you can check out our Instagram, the underscore young underscore perspective. Again, thank you so much for listening. And remember, this was The Young Perspective.